everyday, ordinary people living extraordinary lives. For the next few minutes, join me as I introduce you to some of them. My mother sat me down and said, you came too far. You have climbed too many mountains, you know, too many hills to throw this away. I'm B. Moore, and welcome to Conversations. Have you ever had a dream? What lengths would you be willing to go to make it happen? My next guest had an amazing dream, but had to go through amazing adversity to make it happen. My name is Leroy Collins, um, born and raised in Hudson, New York. Okay, Leroy, you have uh, quite a background, and I want to, first of all, you're, you're a former NFL player. Played with the Washington Redskins, is that correct? Correct, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, and Jacksonville. All right, okay. all yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I want to talk about your NFL career, but I know mm-hmm. that getting there, uh, for you in particular, it was a road less traveled. And I want you to talk about that road and what it took for you to get to the place where you play professional football. Yeah, um, well, it was a couple of hurdles I had to overcome, and... Um, and physical and mental. Uh, when I was younger, I was in a car accident, and in a car accident, uh, he took my took away my ability to walk. And saying so, I had to learn how to walk again when I first had this vision and dream to play in the NFL. Um, so it took me a couple of years to learn how to walk before I just started to go into Pop Warner football, and then I went into high school. And then after, you know, I went into high school. My, you know, my walking ability, my running ability started to increase from from excessive training and working out and therapy, and. Um, and saying so, once I was able to walk and run as fast as I can, I um, I, I started breaking records. I started, you know, started knowing the game more, started loving the game more, and uh, but then after I, cr- I overcame that hurdle, I ran into an education problem. So I had trouble um, in school because in the car accident, I also uh, sustained some brain trauma that um, took like basically um, I was tested on a curve of a learning disability. So um, I wasn't. You know, up to par with all my education, my grades, and and the things that need that I needed to, you know, possibly get a scholarship or, or even you know, go on to next grade. So, that was a hurdle I had to overcome. So it wasn't just me learning how to walk and you know, but I had to learn how to read or read out loud or I learned math and you know arithmetic and all these different things. And um, after I learned all that, and then that's you know, I was able to you know get receive a scholarship and. and eventually get him, I get a chance to go to NFL. That's wonderful. Um, let's start with the physical in terms of the after the car accident, because you were fairly young, and that had to be obviously scary after an accident of such magnitude mm-hmm. and having, you know, your parents, doctors, family members, you know, whomever, surrounded by these people, um, all with different and varying degrees of belief as to whether or not you would be able to even walk again, let alone run or excel to the degree that you had. Talk yeah. about that yeah. that experience as a young child. Yeah, so that car accident, I was six years old when I when I ran over by a truck. And um, and I was actually pronounced dead at the scene. Um, so when they, uh, they pronounced me as dead, they revived me a couple of times. They lost me, revived me, they lost me. And then uh, once they... Revived once they finally revived me, and they felt they felt that I will live. They felt that I, I, I was going to make it. 
Um, they had more news from my parents, though, and told them that, well, he'll live, but he, he's going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life. He'll never be able to walk or talk again or function on his own. So um, my mother's a, a, a God-fearing woman. Um, she believes that um, God controls everything. And so what she did, instead of believing what the doctor said, she went to prayer. She started praying. She started believing. And um, just, had, just had, had to go to a different degree of faith in order to... Um, to basically overcome her, their shock and her sadness, and the, you know, for what happened to us, but just believe in saying that I'm going to walk again, and um, and she kind of put that strength in me as well because she's always said it, always prayed for me, and always heard her pray for me. And sometimes at night, I, heard, I was here, I was here crying at night, you know, what I mean, praying, just saying that me walk again. But let's backtrack a little bit. When the doctor said I never walk and talk again, when I woke up in the hospital first thing I started doing was talking and saying so that theory was gone and then you know me never walk again it took me about a year and a half to be able to actually walk but like I said I heard my mother praying and crying at nighttime sometimes like you know praying to God that I'd be able to walk again and um, I just you know I kept doing therapy kept getting up three o'clock in the morning to work out on my own to try to walk around the bedpost and trying to take steps on my own. My mother worked with me. I had, I had physical therapy to work with me. and um, But when I was in a wheelchair, I was actually in a wheelchair, and I watched my first NFL football game. And I was like probably seven and a half, eight years old. I watched my first NFL football game, and 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 I said, I wanted to do that. I wanted to play in the NFL. And so I wanted to talk to my mother, talk to my father, talk to my aunts and uncles. I said, uh, I want to play in the NFL. And they said, well, that's nice, baby, you know. Let's, let's learn how to walk first, you know right. what I mean? Then we, you can get there. So that's what I did. Every night, every morning, I got up and I trained very hard to not just to walk, but to make it to the NFL. So I had that dream at seven and a half, eight years old. That's the vision and dream I had. I created for myself, and um, and I focused on that, and I worked towards that. That's awesome that you were able to have that that goal in mind. And it, and it's and to have the supportive cast, yeah. if you will, in terms of your parents and your family members uh, that, that pushed you mm-hmm. in, in that endeavor and in that goal. How was your dad about everything in terms of, you know, so, you know men are a little bit different than women in terms of the faith and yeah. the expression of, of, you know, what they're thinking and how they're feeling. How, how did he? Well, he was always saddened by the, by the fact that, you know I mean, I was, I was not able to walk because, you know, every father have a son. And the first thing you think about, you have your son. He's going to be this sport athlete, this this um, this star, this running back, this basketball player, whatever the case is. And when I got in a car accident, and he never really showed that that you know that sadness or anything like that. But he was always there to try to make sure I was walking, what made sure I had what I needed, had what I needed, and and you know he was always like, yeah, you can do it, you can do it. He was more of a supporting, I mean, more of a. A, a tough love, get up and go, and and do it on your own type guy. But um, uh, he never really, sh- I never really seen like the sadness like my mother showed, like the crying, the praying, and stuff like that. If he did do it, he did it, and 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 uh, he did it, and in, uh, in in hidden and hiding. Sure. Um, but he was always do it on your own. He said, get up and do it. You can you can walk and walk to me. Get up and so he was that type of guy because he wanted me to walk because he knew I wanted to walk. Sure, sure. No, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you walk and you begin to excel physically. Mm-hmm. And so you, you go along and you're now 
athletic mm-hmm. and you're um, participating in sports in school and I'm guessing in extramural activities. When did you realize that there was an academic hurdle then that you would have to overcome? Yeah, um, so I never really, really knew until I got into ninth grade, like the middle of my ninth grade year, and I was in special ed classes all the way from from uh, when I went to school all the way to ninth grade, but it's something I never really knew, but I started becoming like a football star at the time, and so people started recognizing me, started noticing me, started you know, talking about me, and you know what I mean. So I was, I started becoming a little face around, around, around my own neighborhood, and I just knew that the kids were talking. I walked through different classrooms. I, was, I had like eight people in my classroom, and I stayed in the same classroom with the same teacher. You know what I mean? So it was that that um, situation I was in, and I always know that kids always used to talk about certain subjects I didn't know anything about. Kids used to talk about stuff that happened in class and knew them about. Then my friend asked me one, he asked me one thing, the simplest as he asked me, he said, where you, where you be at all day? I'll never see you. And you know what I mean? So, and the reason why, the reason why he never saw me is because I was always in his class and I always snuck into that classroom because it felt, I always felt kind of, you know what I mean, embarrassed by the fact that, you know what I mean, I wasn't as educated and as, you know what I mean, as smart as the other guys. So I actually went to my guidance counselor one day and asked her, can I change my classroom and be in a regular classroom? And then basically they told me that from your test scores, you're not at this level of education fits you best. So you want to go graduate and go to college. Um, this is where you want to go from there because your, your, grade, your, your testing scores um, prohibit you to do anything else. So I went to my mother and I told my mother, I said, Mom, um, I'm in this class that is a, it's a, it's a special ed class. We don't learn nothing. I think I have more potential. I think I can learn more. I want to do more. I said, uh, can you talk to the teacher and I'll help get out of there? So uh, we had a, a meeting, and the meeting kind of went for a couple of days because they, they told to my mother no. My mother went to a higher authority. And then uh, after we went to higher authority, then the, then the people said, well, you want to give them a shot? Give them a shot. And we ain't got to test them again. Just we put him in a different class. If a teacher allow him to go mid semester to, to join up, join the class mid semester, we 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 allow it. So they allowed it, and I went in there, and it was the most shocking, scary, frightening thing in my life, man. The work was coming at me so fast, yeah. and understand what the teacher was talking about. It was all it was all it was all Chinese to me, and all mm-hmm. different different language. It was sure. all different language to me, and it was coming at me so fast that I was, you know, what I mean, I was paranoid, and I was scared, and I was hoping the teacher didn't call on me, and I was I to skip school because I was like. You know what I mean? But this is what I wanted. Right. But then I said, after I got it, I seen that, I, I saw how far behind I really was. And then uh, I went on, went on like that for a little while, and I got some tool, got some extra help, some extra credit. My mother helped me. But then I bombed that year. My ninth grade year, I bombed that second half of grade, my ninth grade year. Okay. Went into summer school, learned some more stuff in summer school, came in 10th grade, almost bombed 10th grade until I got more help and you know, started getting it. But then I started picking it up, and then... Uh, and I ended up graduating on time, okay. and and nice. you're saying, and then I ended up going to college. That's awesome. That's awesome. But you know, I see the pattern there in terms of okay, you have this hurdle, you go, and to your immediate help, which is your family, your mom, and you know, possibly other relatives that that then come around and rally around you and support you mm-hmm. in terms of overcoming whatever that hurdle is. That, that you had to face that mm-hmm. whatever that obstacles kind of you, you know that you're looking at so that's great I yeah. mean that, you know it's yeah. awesome so you get to college now where did you go go to school um, my first year of college was 
Dean Junior College. So I went to Dean Junior College, and um, and it was a uh, another culture shock for me. So I went to college, and you know, just me being on my own, and you know, me a kid, I grown up where I grew up at. Even though I had that determination and fight, and I think that's the thing that kept me grounded most of the time because I had I was focused. I was really focused. I was concentrating because regardless of what somebody told me throughout my life. My goal and focus was made when I was seven, eight years old to go to the NFL. So whatever obstacle or hurdle I had to overcome to get there, I was willing to face that. And so when I first went to college, I kind of lost track of that because I'm on my own. It's a new situation. I don't have any you know, support, my mother's support over me. I'm on my own. And so I go there. Um, I blow my knee out the first game of the season. Oh, wow. And then I completely fall apart. Um, I, I get into some bad habits. I started. I start some, um, stop just going to school classes, start studying, and I actually failed out of school my first year of junior college. Oh. And then I went in over the summer, okay. and I got back refocused. And I said, my mother first. My mother sat me down and said, "You came too far. You have climbed too many mountains. We you know too many hills to throw this away. You had a focus. You had a goal. You had a dream." He said, whatever you have to do to get that back, you get that back. So I sat down. It was, I mean, summertime. I didn't have nowhere to go. I felt just, just got kicked out of school. Um, I'm sitting there and didn't work. Remember, didn't working out. Didn't do anything. And I said, uh, I need to get myself back. So I went and talked to um, many schools I can. And this guy happened to, um, during college, happened to call um, Answered my call, talked to me, said, well, he said, well, you got to take this summer course. If you want to come to school, you got to take the summer course, but we'd love to have you. And I went there, and it was like a year and a half later, I was signed a scholarship because I, I got my focus back, and I just went out there and said, I'm not going to let anything stand in my way again nice. of, of that dream. You know what I mean? So sometimes you need, I had to, get that, had to get picked back up. Sure, sure. So you get a scholarship, and so where did you go to after junior college? I went to the University of Louisville. Okay. I went to the University of Louisville. And when I went to Louisville, I um, I went in as a the third string running back, you know what I mean? So I'm like, and my focus is my focus was still the same. Like I can't make it to NFL the third string running back, right. you know what I mean? Right. I can't. I'm not gonna get on the field. How how am I gonna get seen? So what I did, I I decided to put my focus on doing more than everybody else. I didn't care what anybody else was doing. I was gonna do more than you. I was gonna outwork everybody on the field. I don't care if it's a lineman, linebacker, running back, receiver. I don't care. I was going to outwork everybody on that field. And saying so we go to our morning practice. We go to classes. We go to our regular practice. We go home, go to weight room. I mean, then, you know, after our practice, we go, you know, go to the weight room or we go home. I stay in the weight room. Guys worked out for an hour. I worked out for two hours. Mm. I'm saying guys worked out for three hours. I worked out for four hours. I didn't care. I was going to. So the first game of the season, I was third string running back. Second game of the season, I was second string running back. The third game of the season, I was starting running back, and I went on and broke seven records that season. And uh, I was top, I was number one. I was the top running back in our conference, and I was second in the nation in rushing touchdowns. And you know what I mean, so I balled out. <laughs> right. No, that's great. That's great. So you, I mean, after you finished your college career, you got drafted. By the by, the Riskins. Yeah. So no, I didn't get drafted. So basically, what happened? I um. So I went to, I went to the. Uh, I had a, I was a junior on the football field, but I was a senior in classes because I took so many credits. You know what I'm saying so. 
um, of my junior year, I was selected as one of the top running backs in the draft class. And saying so, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing that I saw those draft charts. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw the draft charts, it had me the top three, run, third running back. It was, it was Ricky Williams, Edgerton James, um, and me. So and Rod, then it was Rod Comrade. So he was like, I was, I was top five running back in, into the draft um, that year, and saying so, and I was eligible for the draft. So I selected, I selected to go into the draft. And saying once I decided to go into the draft, it was like everything was good. I went to talk to. Him. I talked to the Pittsburgh Steelers day one. Day one, I mean, Miami Dolphins, um, uh, Miami Dolphins, um, New York Giants. So it was like I had all these teams just going claiming over me, right? But then what happened is I was excited about it. My parents wasn't really sure about it, but I was excited about it. But the coaches wasn't excited about it. We were coaches. Okay. So uh, what they did, what happened is that uh, Mel Kuyper actually had me top first-round pick. As I as so I addressed that, but my story about my car accident started surfacing. Really. So the car accident story started surfacing. People start researching into it, looking into it. So a red flag got put by my name. So I, and I was considered a uh, liability because um, I had head trauma when I was younger. So that kind of my stack my stocks started dropping. I was I was like twenty something. I went from twenty something down to forty something. 50-something, but by the time, it was like within three weeks, I was I was in the, I was probably in two hundred in the 200 rankings in the draft, so that put me between fifth and sixth round, and then, so I'm still there. Right, but at a much lower level than, than initially. Yeah, much lower level, so I, yeah, I had me, they had me first round, but then, uh, but then I, I was going to the combine, and I was actually in the combine, and they got, I got voted out of the combine because of, you know what I mean, because you considered a junior on the football field, the coaches still have a say if, about the combine or not. And the coaches, they have to send the, even though I was a top in the rank, rankings, mm-hmm. the coach still got to say, let him go. And, um, and my coach actually took, voted me out of it and said, no, he's not going to the combine. Wow. Because they wanted me to come back to finish my senior year. That's a whole different story. But um, my goal was to go to NFL. Right, right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and like I said, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing that I saw the draft the draft chart charts, um, but I was 24 years old and um, 23 years old, turning 24. Okay. So it was time for me to go into the NFL. Okay, okay. Yeah. So and so, how did you navigate that? Tell me a little bit about. How, so yeah. now that they brought you down, yeah. they want you to finish your senior year. Yeah. Did you finish? I didn't finish my. Yeah, I actually have my master's degree. I got two master's degrees right now. Yeah, so I finished. I finished my bachelor's, and I went on and got went on and we took two masters. So, yeah, so I I ended up completing my education. Um, um, but it was uh, the road to the NFL was, it was, uh, and I look at it as a blessing, as well. I don't look at it as something that okay, I didn't have a great career in the NFL because when I went to the NFL, I knew I was capable of being there. I should I should have been there. Now I played. We had to play against the Panthers. I had a a great game against the Panthers. You know what I mean? They put me in. I got. They just, every time I touch the ball, I'm gaining five to ten yards. You know, right. um, I'm blocking. You know, I'm taking out um, shading tackles. You know, what I'm saying I'm doing what the NFL, what what the what running backs in the NFL do. So I knew I was I was good enough, but it was I was still on that bubble that nobody wanted to take a chance because of the possible of a head trauma, uh-huh. and that and that was way before the concussion protocol came into effect. Interesting, interesting. Now, did you, um, so, so tell me a little bit about the career when, mm-hmm. as you go through the NFL, how many years were you there? 
I was there for three years. I was well, Jackson. I was Washington Redskins for um, maybe seven, eight months. No, it wasn't quite a year yet. And then I was with Jacksonville for two years. Okay. Um, so when I um, was interesting is um, when I went to the Washington Redskins. Uh, I was in training camp. I went in as a, you know, obviously a free agent backup guy. They said free agent. So I was like on the bubble. I could have went either way, either either place. I could stay on the team or get released. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we had a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and um, the coach gave me the ball. And we started giving the ball, and I'm I'm balling. They gave me a, they gave me a toss sweep, almost break it one one shoestring tackle from a from a touchdown, um, blocking blocking guys. I'm catching passes of the backfield. So coach, and so North Turner came to me after that game. North 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 Turner was a coach at the time. He came to me and told me, he said that that you had. He said. Leroy, you had a great game against the Steelers. He said, I'm excited to watch you play. We had a Patriots a week later. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to watch you play against the Patriots. Um, he said, I'm going to keep it a good work. You did great. And that was that That was that was Tuesday after the weekend game. Okay. Okay, so I talked to Coach, and I walked to my locker room, walked to the locker room, and to get dressed, I can't wait to go tell my parents and call them up and tell them that, you know, coaches, this what coaches said to me. I think we did it. We did. I'm trying to tell my mother. I think we made it. Yeah. And this is a guy at the, at the football field called the Reaper. The Reaper is a guy that if he if he comes get you, that means the co- you either get released, or you're getting a bonus, getting a contract signed. So you got two you got two things. You know what I mean? I know it's a Reaper. It could be bad, but you either you either getting you either getting a promotion or you're getting a let go. Mm-hmm. So I just talked to Noah Turner ten minutes prior. And then I'm in my locker room, get ready to change, excited about talking to my mother. And then a reaper come, the guy come knocked me, tapped me on the shoulder, and said, "Leroy, North, North Turner want to see you." I said, "I just saw North. He don't want to see me." He said, "Yeah, he want to see you." And one of the words that you never want to hear is, "He want to see you and bring your playbook." And saying so, I said, "I just saw North Turner. So I mean, there's no way he want to see me." He said, "Yeah, he just told me to come, come get you and um, bring your playbook." So everything just went silent, went blank, and I was like, I just saw him. Right. But what happened, Norv went to his office. He just had a conversation with me, excited about me. He went to his office, and when he got to his office, a, 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 you know, a folder on his desk about who people he had to release. So he had, he had no control over who stays and who goes. It was, it was all upstairs, whoever who said who stays and who goes. So once he got back to his office after talking to me, my name was on that list. So he had to make a phone call and said, can you go get these guys and tell them to come see me? After I talked with him, he just told me how good I did. It didn't matter. Right. He had a list on his, on his desk that he had to let he go. Had, he had to go by front he, office. To, yeah. They control it. They okay. control it. So he had to let go. So I went to his office. I said, Coach, what's going on? And he said, take a seat. And I took a seat. And I said, uh, he, said uh, he said, I'm sorry. I'm saying, well, you was on a bubble. We're going to have to let you go. And I said, Coach, what's it? we just had a conversation. What happened? He said, yeah, I know you did a great job here. You're wonderful. You're going to do really, really good for, for another team. But um, we, got a, we got a list here. We had to let some guys go, and, you, and your name came up. And I said, numbers game. We apologize. I'm sorry. And I said, I just understand it. I was just like, I was like, you just told me I did I did great, and you can't wait to see me play again. Right. And saying, so instead of me getting a promotion, instead of me getting a position, I got a plane ticket. I go home. And so I went home. And then I mean I went back to that 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 little de- not depression but a little bit of uh, sad sadness. Sure. And then uh, a few weeks later, 
I get a call from Jacksonville Jaguars, and I fly, they fly me out there. And after I fly there, I'm out there for, for another two years. And I was out there and I actually played in the practice squad. Then I didn't get to actually, I didn't get to, it was a, so many chances that I was going to get that call up, but I was on a practice squad. And then, um, you know, I did a couple years there. And then I got released there. And then I went up to Canada and then uh, played at uh, Edmonton. And then, uh, then back here. And then, uh, you know, then I had to figure out what, what, what career, what life's going to go like. So, sure. so I came out here, went back to school, when I got my master's. And, you know, just, just just creating, living life, trying to change the world. Here you are. And yep. here you are. Mm-hmm. But you did it. You did it. You I did it. it. You, at seven years old, mm-hmm. post uh, near-death experience, mm-hmm. can't walk, mm-hmm. you decided to go into the NFL, and everything from the moment that you decided to have that aspiration mm-hmm. set your your life path on a journey that, that got you there mm-hmm. um, maybe not as as long as mm-hmm. you know a lot of guys that play in the, in the game but you did it I did it and that's 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 an accomplishment it's an accomplishment you know what because there's there's a, something I learned as growing up and that's why I can accomplish I, can, um, I believe I can accomplish anything uh, it's this focus it's this clear focus vision creation that that you have to have like, when I said I was going to make it to the NFL, that's all I thought about. That's all I focused on. So I made sure I did all the right things, put me the right moves in order to get there. I had a learning disability. I was scared to read. I couldn't read a page without forgetting what to do, I mean, or whatever. And I'm saying, so that clear focus of me graduating high school, I did that. Then after I did that, I said, I'm going to get my master's degree. Clear focus, I did that. And then I said, I'm going to... Uh, first, first, then I'm gonna write a book. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book. I did that. You know what I mean? Right. You document this entire experience in, in your book. Tell in us book. a little bit about about the book. Yeah, the book is called. It's basically called the Running Back. Um, it's from, from the wheelchair to the NFL, and um, and it basically talks about my life journey, about the stuff about um, being focused, being um, dedication, and running to obstacles, being overcome those obstacles, and um, overcoming fear. And I'm saying, and um, feel, pulling out the power which, with us within you that you're born with, and uh, and creating success, creating stuff. I mean, you might not get it the day that you you thought about it. You might not get it a year after you thought about it. But uh, you stay focused, you stay dedicated, and you and you do all the things to create what you want. Each day by day, you will get there. I mean, it will happen. And um, and I believe that the NFL, I was meant to go there, but I wasn't meant to stay. I was meant to see some stuff there. Went to, you know I'm saying to, to learn some stuff there. Maybe to touch somebody there or whatever. But the thing is that, I knew that God don't make any mistakes, and He's put me in the position now that I am changing people's lives, and people are changing my lives through my experiences now after football. Certainly, certainly. If you're just joining us, welcome to. Conversations with B. Moore. I'm your host, and my guest for today is Leroy Collins. He is a former NFL player and many other things, as, as uh, you will hear and if, if you've been listening to have already heard. Uh, Leroy, so tell us about what, what you're doing these days. What, what are you up to? Yeah, so right now I am a, uh, I'm a motivational speaker. So I travel and I speak to colleges and um, 
and high schools and, and you know, businesses. And, and basically I talk about my life experience, my life story about, you know, overcoming by perseverance, about uh, staying focused on your dream, um, about decision making, just, just different things that's going to allow a person to, 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 to get out of the stuck state and get into the success state. And um, so I go talk about those things and um, life, life experiences. And um, and I do things. I like to I like to see advancement and enhancement of, of organizations and of people. So I'm really big into non for profit organizations. I'm really big into trying to figure out creative ways to help the hunger, um, and you know, creative ways to to get people to be able to come together and to do more. Because everybody has a desire to do something good, but a lot of times people don't know what it is or how to get how to do good things so a lot of times it, it results a person doing nothing at all or a person finding something bad or some, something bad coming to them so I created this um, I created this this organization called Life Matters so Life Matters is basically it's me running 5Ks to, to bring awareness to non-for-profit organizations that do great things in the community and probably might need a little extra hand, a little extra reach to order to to, to advance their 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 services and support to the to their um, cause. Very nice. Uh, tell me about some of the nonprofits locally that you've represented. Yeah. So um, this is um, uh, parents of special children. It's an organization that helps out um, handicapped kids, that kids that you know. Autism, uh, handicaps, um, um, paraplegics. So kids that really can't function on their own, and and kids that can function, but um, they're function a little slower. And you know, kids that just need an extra help. Parents that struggle because there are some families that have um, that has uh, don't not having a means and income to be able to stay at home and support their kid and, and do so. So they get these programs together that helps parents that that need that little extra help if it's extra baby like not babysitting but you know um you know daycare services or uh you know foods or you know or clothing or or even support to find a job or find a job that is flexible for their so that's a that's an organization that i i, I mean I really, I really like and there's another called purpose farm purpose farm is a is a place that helps kids with sensory issues um, but now this weekend we're actually running for homelessness and for um, like for my father's kitchen and and um, so, uh, like those the Catholic charities and uh, any, any of the homeless shelters. So we run it for those people. This um, those organizations this week in order to bring awareness to these to these organizations. So basically, so I'm running and people can make a donation directly to. The organization, so they get to know who the organization, the organizers are. They know the contact information, and they be able to know more about the organization themselves because it's coming right from the people. Right, right. And I mean, you you've kept yourself up, you know, pretty well. Tell me about the personal satisfaction that you get out of, uh, you know, keeping yourself in shape and yeah. and running, particularly yeah. in running. Yeah. yeah. So I was um. So it's kind of funny because. Ever since I got released, like I was been on a, a, a like a workout fanatic, you know what I'm saying. So when I was in college, like I said, I was there was nobody in college who was gonna do better than me. So I was gonna outwork everybody that I come in contact with. I was gonna outwork you regardless. I didn't care what you did. I'm gonna outwork you. So I built up that type of habit and and you know regimen throughout the years. So once I got to the NFL, I had that same regimen, that same habit. So even though I got released, I know I got released because not because they was better than me. I got released because of uh, uh, status situation, and I was in the, in that situation, and because it probably meant not meant for me to stay. 
But um, after I got released from the Jacksonville Jaguars, I always trained during football season, always trained and got ready for the next call. I always trained and got my body ready for the next call. And I'm saying, waiting for the phone, waiting for the phone to ring, somebody to pick me up. So I always kept myself ready. So when they call me, I'm ready to go right now. And saying so now I retired from football, I kept that same attitude, getting ready for the phone call. Even though the phone call is not coming, I got ready for the phone call. I was always training, always getting ready. And then once I started having this vision about Life Matters, which I think was a God-given vision, I started training my body to run 5Ks. I never, I hate running. I hate running, I mean, longer than a mile. And so I had to train myself to get to the point where I like it and I enjoy it. And I always say that life matters. It's, it's, a, it's love, it's caring, it's sacrifice, it's determination, it's, I mean, it's fulfilling. It's all those things because you have to sacrifice because a lot of people aren't runners. Like I ask people to run, they're like, I'm not a runner. I'm like, me either, you know what I mean? But I had to get myself there and I'm sacrificing doing it. Cause, I mean, for, for, for these people, these organizations, like somebody I might not ever meet, I might not ever know, but I believe that it, somebody's going to know about them because of what we're doing. Right. Yeah. What a wonderful life lesson in terms of, and I, I just like the way you said that, getting ready for the next call. I mean, yeah. and that can apply physically, mentally, mm-hmm. spiritually, you know, just preparing yourself for whatever the next page mm-hmm. in life as it's being turned is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a wonderful lesson that we, we need to remember right. and instill in, in, you know, in our children and in, our, in each other, yep. I think. I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You ready for the next call? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I, I want to ask you a couple of other questions. And and I didn't realize the the relationship uh, between the, you know, in terms of all of this growing concern and discussion around head injuries and concussions mm-hmm. and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. even though you didn't experience that directly, but because of your history in terms of the accident early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's your thoughts about what what's going on? You know, at least at the professional level in the NFL, and what do you think needs to happen? Yeah, so there's a, there's been a lot of like advancements put in place to help to alleviate the a lot of concussions. There's a concussion protocol they actually put in place that 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 was never followed or 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 done in the past. You know, somebody get hit and they're they're dizzy, they're stumbling, they come out get a drink of water and go back in the game. So that's more impact on their brain. So um, now things like that happens. They they their their ta- their tackling technique has changed. Their, their equipment has changed. The their awareness of a player that's you know stumbling or or not focused has changed. So that they take is more is more looked at now. So I don't see it as a as a growing concern for the future. Uh, I can see that it's something that needed to be done. Something they needed to take hold of because um, there's famous, very famous NFL players that took their own lives based off the concussion, you know what I mean, the concussions that they've grown over the years, the damage to their brain, and, uh, and you know, so I think that it woke a lot of people up to say that this right here is something that really needs to be done because um, guys are losing their life, and, you know what I mean, you figure that, you start at, at Ten years old or eight years old playing Pop Warner, your brain is taking that that, that contact all the way until you retire at forty or thirty nine or whatever the case is. The tackling techniques has changed to help alleviate a lot of that stuff. 
And so I think it's not a really a big concern uh, anymore, and it won't be. I know there's always going to be, you know, always going to be careful, but, you know, if a person's wobbling, take them out of the game, and you're done for a couple weeks. You can't come back in. So uh, that's huge. No, that's great. That's great. And yeah. you, you have kids that are playing yeah. the game, so yeah. as a yeah. parent, now, you know, the focus has shifted in, in terms of, you know, in terms of your own experience to theirs. And, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely has to be of comfort to know that those things are shifting in a, in a good direction. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I actually coach. I coach, my, I coach my son's team right now, and, um, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big advocate on proper tackling and, and proper technique in the sense so. Yeah, I got both my boys playing, and my third boy is gonna play when he's playing when he comes up, and I think that's why that's why I believe that this the, the science and technology of how how they design helmets now, and the and the techniques of how they teaching how to tackle, and the rules they put in play, when you don't tackle right, and then if you do get a concussion, which it, it can how you can get a concussion from just bumping your head on the, on uh, on the wall or whatever, um, so the the precautions the they take the protocol they take for when you do get a concussion is um it's huge and I and I like that and I like that that's in place now because I'm sure I had a couple concussions growing come in my years I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm I actually think I know I did I actually blacked out in one game and for an entire half and still played and don't remember it so it definitely happens to they know how to watch it now yeah no that's great and that's I know how to watch it now so absolutely uh, any any Last words, final thoughts about in terms of, you know, what's the future? Hold, yeah. hold for yourself, Leroy. What, what do you aspire towards? Yeah, so I'm inspired. So um, once my book is released, I'm, I'm I'm definitely getting um, prepared and ready to to travel and tell my story. And uh, I'm just saying, basically, just to give people words of encouragement to to keep fighting for your dream. I mean, everybody have dreams, and everybody has aspirations and have goals and stuff. And I'm saying, just tell people like there's there it takes a special person to stay focused when things go wrong. You know, when things aren't going the way you wanted to, when things ain't going as fast as you wanted to, to stay focused on what you want and I'm saying it and, and seeing it through. So I'm just I just like to just continue on just having kids people to to fight through that that fight through that, that adversity, fight through the challenges. Uh, make a goal for yourself. Make have some have dream. Don't be afraid to dream because you know what I mean? And and have some faith faith that you can overcome anything. You know what I mean? If you if you have a faith in that you can overcome anything and you don't fear nothing, you you you'll try a whole lot more things and you'll do some stuff that's gonna change lives. And also, a lot of times we gotta do some stuff, do it for the next person. Sometimes you do it for sometimes you do it for the next person. Um, you grow from doing that. That's great yeah. advice. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. My guest for today has been Leroy Collins, a man of many talents. And if if anybody wants to look you up in terms of finding out what you're doing with regards to the book or with regards to life matters uh, well, how do they how do they get a hold of you yeah so yeah you get a hold of me you could um, you can find it on facebook life matters is on um, um life matters on on the facebook page or just at leroy collins 23 you contact me there or you want to reach me at um, um my cell phone 315-254-4799 reach out to me there you have any questions that you want to talk about talk about stuff you know what i mean like i said i i do public speaking so i travel and i talk to people about these goals and these dreams and in in my story so those different ways to contact me to better reach me and and um let's chat all right leroy thank you so much for being my guest today yep thank you and man best wishes to you absolutely to learn more about leroy collins life matters organization 
you can go to his Facebook page under the same name for contact details. I'd like to dedicate this program to my grandsons, who both have amazing dreams. Conversations is a production of More About You. Join us next time.